You're listening to the Kerry Woodham Mornings Podcast from Newstalk ZB. We thought it would be great in our last week on air to find good news stories to celebrate, and this is one of them. One of our oldest boarding schools is set to reopen, and this is in the face of the stories we did yesterday about so many boarding schools closing. Nope. Te Kura o Tipene, or St Stephen's School on Auckland's Bombay Hills, is set to reopen in 2025 after being closed for 23 years. The school will be led by former pupil and principal Nathan Jury and his wife Yvette McCausland Jury. Nathan Jury joins me now. Kia ora, Nathan. Kia ora, Kerry. How are you? I'm really good. Where did the idea... I have driven past that building so many times and thought what a gorgeous spot, what a gorgeous building, if only life could come back into it. Is that what you did? Oh, well, many times, many times, and I think most old boys are the same. They're Port George and we've had to endure for the last 20 years. The talk is they arrive close to it and drive past it. Um, so, yeah, yeah, a really neat day uh, last week to um, be along with a, a large number of people to celebrate the reopening. So, please, it's a milestone that's been a long time in the development, and people like Joe Harawina and a number of others have been integral in bringing this to fruition. So grateful. There are so many of the boarding schools that have a proud history of the alumni that they have produced, and slowly, one by one, we've seen them close. Why? Why did that happen? Was it just there was the lack of support for from families to send the kids to schools? Not enough money, yeah. not enough commitment from the Ministry of Education. What was it? Yeah, well, a number of things, and probably all of those aspects. I mean, I think the key aspect for anything is about being relevant and. The boarding schools served the period and served it extremely well. And as Māori and as this country has matured and evolved, the relevance of that type of schooling became less sometimes affordable. Um, but what I know with people is that they will bend over backwards to enable mm-hmm. opportunity if they believe it's relevant for their Samaraki yep. Mokupuna. Yeah, absolutely. They will move heaven and earth. But just yesterday we were talking to the chair of Otorahonga College's Board of Trustees, they are having to close their um, boarding school because they just simply can't afford to keep it open. So many have closed around the country, and yet they provide children from remote areas, you know, areas where parents can't perhaps do the correspondence schooling, with opportunities to get a truly great education. And it's it just seems a miracle in a way, a miracle of Christmas that, um, you know, Te Kura or Tepini is opening. Yeah, and so to offset some of that, one of the parts that we've talked about and worked on for the last five or six years that I've been involved with at least is a really strong business model around it. So utilising the 155 hectares around the school to develop businesses, to develop uh, career opportunities that our students will be, be a part of from a vocational career perspective, even the opportunity to glean a little bit of funds for themselves. So, yeah, all of that needs to be factored in. Otherwise, particularly for Māori families, they ride on the, the highs and lows of an economy of the country and you can't afford that as a school and as a business to you know, be reliant on that. So how are you going to select the students? Do you, do you already know that you will have enough to fill the school role? Well, there seems to be yeah, a huge demand. Uh, they yeah. opened the... Uh, the applications for three days some time ago, a little bit prematurely, but anyway, <laughs> such was the enthusiasm for people. Yeah. And um, 260-plus applicants flooded it, or inquiries of interest at least. And so I think 
uh, as has been the case for a long, long time. There's a massive appetite to do so much better for this cohort of students. Uh, Yvette and I both work in a school that is regarded as highly successful, mm-hmm. and we're really proud of that. And it might have been a lot easier to stay here, except there's this cohort uh, across New Zealand, Māori boys in particular, that require yeah, something different, and we want to be part of evolving that, I think, is probably the bigger attraction for me. Yeah. Is about how can we create an education model that really delivers excellence for this cohort. And expects excellence from that cohort, too. Sorry, say again? And sorry, and you you will expect excellence. You know, you you won't go and I, I can imagine from, well, from the character of the school as it was, and from... And from where you, from what you've been saying, you will expect excellence from your kids. Yeah, and, and I mean, it's that can be um, manufactured in a large number of ways and needs to be mindful of the cohort that you'll bring in. But for sure, why would you open up anything that didn't stand for anything other than excellence? Yeah. Um, that is the expectation. And so, yeah, looking to work with families and students around how we bring that in. And, you know, our experience over the last three years of running our own have enabled us to recognise that bring the right people in uh, with the right skill sets and passion and you can drive all sorts of change so it's exciting but it's a little bit intimidating too because there's some high expectations uh, with all of us So when I think about you know some of the like Te Ati College you know that produced basically was the the birthing place of of the young Māori party and you had people like James Carroll and Apirana Nata and Maui Pomare and these brilliant, brilliant young men who came out of an environment where culture was respected and academic excellence was demanded. Yeah, much like all of the Maori boarding schools. And again, at the time, lots of these young people came from really strong, supported families. Their Maori tana was intact. And therefore they could focus on chasing you know, like the, the talk of Rapidam and Nata, you know, the aspirations of being able to work in a in a modern world as well. Mm. So, yeah, I mean, relevance is really key in all of that. Um, there's a demand now for um, Māori in terms of their their establishment of their own language base, and some children that come to us will already be well-versed in that, and so how do we continue to extend that? and others will be wanting to connect, and I think we need to be able to provide the scope for all of that. So it's mm. exciting, I think. Absolutely. And is it only for Māori who can papa back, or is it for people sympathetic to say ao Māori or who have you know, wairua? Yeah, or? so the, the origins of this programme, and I think it's a good statement, actually. What's good for Māori is good for everybody. Yep. Um, and so as was on the walls in that place when it was first established. This is for all people of this country and the people of the Pacific. And so, again, we want to make sure that we focus on on that aspect, that um, this should be a program that delivers education. The the National Education Guidelines talk about education for each and every student, not just a civic cohort. So I think it's incumbent on us to make sure that we uh, fulfil that obligation as well. Is it a charter school? Well, it's a nothing school at this stage. We're still seeking, um, we're still seeking um, support from the ministry. But there were ministers there the other day, which was exciting to see. Yep. Um, and I know that the National Party have talked about the new charter schools. And you know, for me, uh, Kerry, I think that part of all of this that's real important is for ministry to 
fund options that work. Yep. I don't think the delineation of a name defines it. There are kura and there are kura. There are mainstream schools and mainstream schools. There are boys' schools and boys' schools. And often what it comes back to is strong leadership and having a, a group of people around there that are passionate about driving the values that are seen as at the forefront of you know, whatever school it is that you're operating. So if charter school is the avenue to allow us to have some revenue to offset costs on this, then wonderful. But, um, you know, I, the money won't drive it. I think what's mm. going to be important no. in this is about us getting the support of government to be able to do do this the way that we wish to do it. And that's the part we're proudest of most, that money could have, that we started off on our own, worked in this thing as volunteers for a large number of years until eventually the ministry came on board and we're really grateful for that but they came on board to help us continue to deliver what we were delivering and if you look back through the evolution of Kohamadel and Purukopa mm-hmm. they all started in the same vein in the yeah. backyard gar- yeah. garages of people who just were invested in ensuring that the language didn't die and eventually the ministry came on board to support them to achieve their aspirations that's, that's how the ministry I think should work yeah you, you prove you can do it and then the the money comes rather than the other way around. The only other thing I'd ask is how do you ensure that there's a, a, a culture of respect and discipline without the problems associated with abuse and bullying that tend to arise with boys' boarding schools across the board, Pakeha, Māori, you know, whatever, co-ed? Oh, for sure. It's really important. And, and at the end of the day, it's the most important thing. And so again, if you think of lots of the history of those schools, there were English boarding school models mm-hmm. filled with whoever Māori students in this particular case and often left in positions that were they weren't trained for, nor yep. should they have ever been left as 17 and 18 year old young men. They should not have the responsibility. So keeping and moving forward, we'll make sure that we've got appropriate staffing in place to manage all of that. Young men should be able to do what young men do, not, not have the responsibility of caring for mm-hmm. 100 kids you know, in the dark hours of night, that model clearly didn't work and we are determined that that will never, you know, see the light of day again. So, yeah, a big challenge, that aspect of it, but actually there are some really simple systemic fixes for that. Put the right adults in place and have them do the job. Exactly. You make it sound so simple, but it's true, isn't it? Nathan, I wish yeah. you so much luck. I wish you the very, very best of luck. It's just wonderful to think that that beautiful old building is going to be producing, you know, some fine young men again. And just for people who are interested, is there a website they can go to? Yeah, there is a website. Um, if they just Google St Stephen's, I think it will come through. Okay. There's still a bit of work to do in all of that space, so we won't be taking students uh, up there until 2025. But um, but we'll begin that process early on in the piece next year to get around and share the message because whilst there are some wonderfully devout um, families of St Stephen's looking to blindly enrol their students <laughs> for their domestic <laughs> I think it's important that they understand what it is that we're wishing to achieve yeah. because this is a combination of people, families and school looking to drive change. Yeah. Thank you so much for your time. I wish you and Yvette a very Merry Christmas. Nathan Dury, St Stephen's past pupil and soon to be principal of uh, Te Kura Te Tipine. For more from Kerry Woodham Mornings, listen live to News Talk ZB from 9am weekdays or follow the podcast on iHeartRadio.